0: Welcome to the Gregory Diggow podcast. We should never take it for granted the what God has given us each other, you know, the family that we have spiritually that we're we're a part of God's family. We're his sons and daughters, and there's no greater calling. There's no greater title. There's no greater purpose than family and to be a part of God's family and to be called his sons and his daughters and how easy it is for us to be called his children. In John, Chapter one, verse 12, it says to as many as received him, how simple it is to be a child of God to as many as received him to them. He gave the right to become children of God. And if that wasn't easy enough, he finishes it off with saying even to those who believe in his name. I don't get it. Why so many preachers and so many Christians want to make it harder than Jesus himself makes it. Jesus himself says, God's living word says, as many as received him. It's all we have to do is receive him. To them he gave the right to become children of God, not clear enough then even to those who believe in His name. Imagine that. salvation's a gift. By grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. You know, if I somebody asked me once if you could. Condense the gospel. Into one sentence, what would it be? And first thing that comes to my mind, Revelation, chapter one, verse five and six, that it says he loved us. He washed us. And it says he made us kings and priests. You want to know what the gospel is? He loved you. Then he washed you and then he made you a king and a priest. What gives him glory. Is for you to receive and simply believe he loved you. He washed you. He made you. He loved you. He washed you. He made you. He loved you. He washed you. And he made you a king and a priest. He loved you. This is the order This is the order. This is the way. This is the gospel. He loved you. Then he washed you. Then he made you. God didn't love what he washed. He washed what he loved. He doesn't wash you so that he can love you. He washes you because he loves you. Amen. This is the gospel. This is our banner. This is our theme. This is our message. This is our stewardship. This is our calling. This is our future. This is our present to take this message. He loved you. To take. This love. That he washed you. And to take this awakening, he made you into something. He made you something that you could never make yourself. Nobody can make themselves a king. They must be crowned. No one can make themselves a priest. They must be called. So God crowns us and God appoints us and anoints us, you know, sometimes at the end of the service seems to be the most logical time to invite people to be saved, invite people to receive Jesus as their savior and Lord. But Let's not wait another moment. Maybe somebody's watching. Maybe they have to go in one moment, maybe they had an appointment, maybe they're just about walking out the door and they're just watching for one last second. Well, I want to get your attention right now, because God knows what he's doing in your life and he knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. And before anything that any of us need more than all of it, we need to be born again, to be given a new life, to be made a part of his family. Would you pray this with me if you've never prayed this before and whoever is here today and you've never prayed this before? Why not pray with, with 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 me right now? Why not pray together with the people that you can be able to call family at the other end of this prayer? There is a heaven and there is a hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there by rejecting. The only sacrifice that could be made for us. Would you pray this with me? Just bow your heads for a moment. Everybody pray this. You're watching today. Say, I want to pray. I want to be saved. I want to know I'm going to heaven." pray this out loud. Everybody pray this with us. Heavenly Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus into my life. I receive him I receive as, my as my savior. I receive, I receive your, love. your love. I receive, I receive your, blood your blood that washes away my sin. And I receive, and I receive your calling your call and purpose for, my life. purpose for my life. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we want to congratulate you and celebrate you. If you prayed that prayer here, today congratulations you just made the greatest decision of your life and if you wouldn't mind on your way out today stop and get one of our books the power of a new life it's it's absolutely free if you prayed that prayer today and if you're watching wherever you are right now you can download this absolutely free anywhere in the world you'll see the link on your screen lifechangerschurch.com/connect and you can get the book the power of a new life and i want to particularly point out how powerful The first chapter is about salvation and then the chapter about the power of the Holy Spirit. Boy, we're living in a day where we're powerless in our own ability, in our own power. And that's why God sent his spirit. You shall receive power, he said. Jesus said in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You'll witness my power in other people's lives, but you'll be my witness to tell others about me. Jesus said. First thing that happened in my life when I got saved is when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I just wanted to go and tell everybody about him. I wanted to tell everybody shy, social anxiety filled kid at the time and sometimes still. (laughs) Right. Um, I only like I only like I only like crowds at church crowds anywhere else I run. But I really want to encourage you today. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it changed my life. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. You know, it's funny, the things that we think were so smart and so sophisticated. And yet Jesus said, unless you come to me like a little child. Unless you come like a little child, all the kids come sit on his lap, Master, we must take these kids, these children must leave. And he said, no, no, don't touch them. For the kingdom of God belongs to these, He said Heavenly Father, I thank you that you didn't come for the wise and intelligent, but you came and you make yourself known to the the humble. The childlike, not childish, Some of us get that mixed up. Childlike means we're trusting childish is immaturity. Childlike is trusting. And that's the difference. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, what do I have to do? Ask and it shall be given to you. Receive it. Say, that's kind of silly. and I'm more educated than that. You might be educated in everything else, but you're not educated in the Holy Spirit until you are willing to humble yourself like a little child and say, my name is Jimmy, I'll take all you can give me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's just lift our hands to him one more time today. Father, baptize your church, baptize me, baptize us, baptize us in your love, baptize us in your spirit, baptize us in your power. Baptize us in your grace. We receive Just say, I receive the power of the Holy Spirit I receive the power of God's love. I receive the baptism of God's grace. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, it won't surprise me at all if you walk out of here praying in tongues your whole way home. And if you if that if you experience that today, let me know. I'd love to hear about that. As we um, break open God's word today, would you go back with me to Romans eight twenty eight? I heard Joseph praying and the team praising God over this reality that we know. Boy. Peace doesn't come from hoping. Peace doesn't come from. Kind of thinking maybe peace comes from knowing. Have you ever even when something's bad, when you know something, when you're not sure about something like not sure what the doctor's report is going to turn out like. The absence of knowing is what creates stress. It may be that the report might be good, but not knowing is where the stress comes in, even if it's bad knowing that it's bad rather than not being sure whether it's good or bad brings more peace by knowing because then you can do something about where you're at when you know where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why we don't have to live in denial. If something is happening in your mind or emotions or your body, that's that's out of order. If if you're sick, if you're if you're depressed, These are not things we have to be in denial about. These are things that we just need to be at peace about knowing that, okay, I see this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm experiencing. And I'm going to trust God in this moment now that I know what I'm up against rather than oh that that's never going to happen to me. That's not me. That's not me. It can't be real. Can't be true. Can't be true. It is true, but it's not the final truth. There are things that are true and then there are truths. It might be true that you're sick right now, but the truth is by his stripes you're healed. It might be true that you're depressed right now, but the truth is that he will fill you to all fullness of joy. By just realizing you're in his presence for in his presence, is fullness of joy. Well. Followed the. Leading of the Holy Spirit, the best that I could today and the best that we could in prayer and and in praise. And in this verse, I want to just. And I'll go through these relatively fast because to me, the Super Bowl Sunday is making it five hours in advance and just sitting getting ready. If anybody comes over (laughs) to my house on the Super Bowl, there's two days that matter in in football and it's the AFC and NFC championship games happened two weeks ago and then the Super Bowl. If you come to my house, don't expect company. I'm just going to be looking at the. (laughs) I'm just like that, like since I was a little kid. (laughs) Hey, you want some this you want to I'm just waiting. Maybe for us, some of us think that's that's so worldly, that's so. That thinking right there is what's worldly. Because the world judges and you're judging me. I forgive you. But this could be my fastest message ever. (laughs) No, actually, it's not. You know, what's the truth is, is that when we used to have Sunday night service. My least favorite Sunday night service was Super Bowl Sunday, (laughs) because the Super Bowl starts at 530 and Sunday night service started at six. Boy, we really proved we loved God back then, didn't we? I think God finally said to me, now I know you love me. Go home and watch the Super Bowl. (laughs) But that's so, you know, it's funny we were having service. Some of you were there. We would have services sometimes on Sunday night that would go six, three hours long, six to nine o'clock, three hours long. But it's funny that the first Sunday of February, the service only lasted an hour. For some reason, the Lord led us to have the shortest service of the year on Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know why those two things correlated all the time, but I just I just remember it was like that. (laughs) Seven big things that God is doing in your life behind the scenes. We know that God is doing something bigger than what we see. So I whittled this down to seven big things that God is doing in your life behind the scenes. You want to know when We say God is doing something bigger than what we see. You want to know what those things are here? They are ready. And there's more. But I'm just giving you seven big things that I believe God's doing in your life behind the scenes. Number one, he's causing all things to work together for your good. Well, we spent a good portion of time. Last Sunday and the Sunday before that, on this verse, we're Romans eight twenty eight in our lives. That means we are applying this verse to whatever trouble we're in, whatever negativity we've experienced, whatever uh, mistakes we've made, whatever failures we've come upon or have come upon us. We know, like I said, there's something about knowing we know we're not speculating, we're not guessing. We know everybody say we know we know know that God causes all things to work together for good. Now, he doesn't put a period after things. God does not cause all things. The mistakes I make are not God's fault. The sins that you or I commit are not God's sins. They're not something he made us do. He doesn't cause all things. The tragedy in life, the disasters in life, the domestic abuse in this world, the, the pain in this world, the the controlling of the economy by certain powers and certain elements of uh, the bourgeoisie, or the the people that are in the elitist positions of power. God doesn't cause those things, but he does cause all things to work together for good. He's not the cause of everything, but he is the one that can get behind it, get around it, get in front of it, get get around it all over from every direction. And he can turn it and make it work for something good in your life. And this applies to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You say, oh, I don't know if I love him enough. It's not about if you love him enough. It's about how much you believe he loves you, because the greatest way to love God is to believe his unconditional love for you at this moment, like the song we were singing. I'll never be loved more than I am right now. Now, I might feel more loved than I am right now, but I will never be more loved than I am right now because God's love never changes. So. I. So when it says this applies to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, first of all, we didn't call ourselves, he called us according to his purpose. So We're so that's you. That's me. We are called according to his purpose. And whether you love God is 100 percent determined on your belief in whether he loves you unconditionally. The way I love God first is by embracing and accepting his love for me. That's That's how I love him. Now, some might someone might say, no, if you love God, then you'll obey him. Well, then. It's true that obedience should be an overflow of our love for God. But if it was up to our obedience to prove our love for God, we would fail and come up short every day of our lives because we do not obey God fully every day. We don't. None of us do. We don't we don't follow every prompting of the Holy Spirit, every jot and tittle of every verse in the Bible. None of us can do that. So loving God cannot be measured by how much we love him, how much we've done for him, how much we uh, praise him. Loving God is measured by how much we embrace his love for us. And because first John, Chapter four, verse 19 tells us this, we love him. This is not a this is not a um, equation. This is not a Uh, an equation we have to solve. This is a matter of fact. We love him because he first loved us. He's not saying. We love him sometimes, he's not saying we if we will just try to love him, it doesn't say that it says we love him. That settles the issue of whether you love God or not. We love him. Matter of fact, why? Because he first loved us. We don't love him because we've done everything right. We don't love him because we're trying our hardest. We love him because he first loved us. So we must never allow another day in our life for the devil to try to condemn us into not believing Romans 828 is working in our lives because that's exactly the devil's game. He shames you into thinking you don't love God enough. So God is not working all things together for you because you don't love him enough, because he only does that for those that love him and you're not obeying him enough. You know what? Let's put us all up against Mother Teresa and let's see how obedient we've been to God. You might say I'm I'm more obedient than than any of the, you know, murderers and killers and serial killers of in the world, you might be more obedient than them, sure. But have you hated your brother ever? Have you hated somebody ever? Because Jesus said, if you hate, you're murdering. He equates hate to murder. So, okay. Guilty, 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 guilty. So you might be better and so and so mass murderer, evil plotter. But you can't get near Mother Teresa's obedience in your life yet. Have you given up everything to become a sister that goes into the poorest lands of the poorest of the poor, sacrifices everything. and Every moment of her day is spent serving people tirelessly without fail. You get where I'm going here. So we should neither be condemned because we're not as obedient as her, nor should we be proud or self-righteous because we're more obedient than the murderer or the killer or the hater. We should realize we're loving God by fully embracing his love for us. And we will not get talked out of Romans 828 is now at work in our lives because we love him because he first loved us. Amen. All right. So, number one, he's causing all the ingredients of your life to be fashioned for your good. Number two, he is finishing seven big things he's doing in your life behind the scenes. Number two, he's finishing what he started in your life. Philippians chapter one, verse six. I love this verse. Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Boy, this is powerful because look at this verse. It starts with what God is doing and it ends with what God is doing. He's the one that began the good work in you, which, by the way, it's not just any work in you. It's a good work that he's doing in you. He who began. I'm confident in this very thing. There's that thought about knowing again, not presuming, not speculating, not just hoping, but being confident, being assured, being absolutely certain you can absolutely take this to the bank. He is the one who began the good work in you and he the same one who began it. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So you know what? My job is not to try to get God, try to bend God's arm to get him to finish what he started in my life. He's already doing it. He's already finishing what he started. He's completing what he started and he's going to do it until the day that Jesus returns. Because when the day that Jesus returns, we will see him just as he is in all of his glory. And then we will be made perfect in that moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be consumed and conformed. And one hundred percent transformed into being just like him. We already are that way in our spirit, but we will be made that way in our soul and in our body upon his return. Can't wait. If you walked out of here today. Knowing. Man. God's causing all things to work together for my good. Man. God's finishing what he started in my life, he's completing, he's completing what he began. I'm neither the originator nor the finisher. I'm neither the architect nor the builder. He is both the architect and the builder. Boy, what I've learned in construction, just from building churches, building houses. I didn't. Like some of, you know, I so uncoordinated as a kid when it came to figuring out the mechanics and the electric electronic things and construction type things. I I could not put a set of Legos together. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But somehow I get born again and I'm like all of a sudden building. Churches, which I'm honored to be a part of. But my point in saying this is I always ran into trouble when I hired an architect separately from the organization that was going to construct what the architect drew, because an architect's drawings sometimes if they're separate companies and they're not working together and they don't have a working relationship, the architect might envision something one way. But once you get on the site and you're actually doing the work, it doesn't you can't bring to pass what the architect envisioned because of the certain dimensions of things or because of the way that materials are used. And so there's a lot of reasons why the architect and the and the contractor, the construction work team, they have conflict a lot. I want you to realize that when the architect and the I guess what I'm trying to say is when the architect and the builder both are under the same roof and both are following the same plans and both are working with each other. It always gets done well, but when it's too competing and too conflicting and two groups that see it differently, then that's when you always have problems. At least that's when I had problems. And um, so I had to fire different companies over those years and Get everybody on the same page. What I am telling you and what I'm thankful for is the very one who designed me is also the same yes. one that is completing me. The very author of my faith is also the finisher of my faith. The very author of your faith is also the finisher of your faith. Amen. Number three, number one, he's causing all things. Fashioning them for your good. Number two, he's finishing what he started in your life. Number three, he's building your character in silence. He's building your character in silence. He's not building your character on Instagram. He's not building your character on TikTok. He's not building your character in front of everybody. He's building your character in silence. He's building your character in the secret places. He's building your character when nobody's looking. He's building your character when nobody knows you. He's building your character. When nobody believes you, he's building your character in the silence. Don't be discouraged by the silence in your life right now. I don't know. I'm not seeing God manifest. I'm not hearing from God the way I thought I could. I'm not experiencing Hey, don't be discouraged by that. Just trust in the silence. Trust. In the silence. Remember, God had to silence Zechariah When he didn't believe that he could his wife could have a son named John, that they eventually named John the Baptist, right, John. They named him John. He was John the Baptist. But Zechariah was like, I don't know, I'm not sure. And God, God said enough. Angel, of the Lord said enough. We're not going to hear from you until this child is born. And he silenced him. What was he doing working on? Zechariah so that Zechariah could properly raise John to be the one who God called him to be, the forerunner who went before Jesus in the wilderness, declaring he's coming, he's coming. There's one coming after me. I'm not fit to untie his sandal. I'm not fit. I, I, I'm, he's he's so much more than I am. Amen. He I must decrease and he must increase. Yes. God was working on Zechariah. See, sometimes we see the person on the other end of someone else's faith, someone else's prayers, someone else raising them. We think of how great Michael Jordan was, but he didn't get there by himself. He had parents, coaches, teachers. No one does it alone. Mm -hmm. And no one sees it Mm -hmm. while it's underneath the ground, working in silence while God is We, we have to be more patient with the process that God's working in our lives. We have to be more patient. Usually when somebody's impatient with you, it's because they're impatient with themselves. And God is not like that. God was good. He was cool. After day one of creation, he wasn't like, well, until I see everything created the way I wanted after six days, I'm not going to be happy. No. After the first day, he's like, it's good. After the second day, he does what he does for the second day, and he's like, mm, "It's good." Third day comes along, he makes a bunch of other stuff. He's like, "Woo, that's good too." Fourth day, woo! Look, at me, I'm on a roll. God's saying, "I'm on a roll now." Look at what I did on the fourth. That's good. Comes to the fifth day, makes some other stuff. Woo! Puts this here, puts stars here, puts people, puts planets there, puts plants here, plants there. Woo! Comes to vert? and he's, after after day five, he's like, "Woo, that's good." Six comes along, makes man. Creates Adam. Mm. Wow. I think I can do better than that. And he creates Eve. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. After creating. Man. He steps back and looks at everything that he made and he said, "Hmm, it's very good. Day one's good. Day two, good. Day three, good. Day four, good. Day five, good. Day six, mm, 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 mm. it's very good. I'm taking the day off. Day seven, he was happy with where he was at after day one. He didn't think, "Oh man, if I don't get all this done today, people aren't going to believe me." If I don't get all this, if I don't get all this done today, the angels—they're going to have a hard time with this. They're not going to trust me anymore. They're not going to hearken to my voice. They're not going to—they're just—I don't know. I got to get it all done now, and I don't. I don't no, God's not like that. He's patient. He's not like, man, Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jim. I don't I don't know, man. I put up with you for almost 80 years now. (laughs) When are you going to get it together, son? God's not like that. We're like that. Sometimes we're like that. God's patient. I like the lady that was real patient with herself, you know, she's like She's like, don't don't judge. Don't judge me and my body. That's just baby fat. (laughs) How old's your baby? (laughs) Twenty (laughs) one. But she loves herself enough to give herself time. And God gives us time boy, time is not something God is running short on. It's something we always run short on, but he never runs out of time. He created time. If it's not enough for you, he can create some more. So how can he do that? I don't know how did Joshua make the sun stand still and the earth stand still and everything just stood still. How did Elijah say it's not going to rain until I say in three and a half years go by and he said, "Okay, I'm saying so go ahead and rain now And the heavens, give rain. I don't know how that happens, but God sure has the power to do it and has given us power in this life and not. We need to never be a prisoner to time, because when Jesus when when Mary and Martha came to Jesus and said, Lazarus is sick, you got to come and heal him. He, you love him and he's sick. Now come heal him. And Jesus does not go right away. In fact, he waits four days. And th- when he finally gets there, they're like, where have you been? It's four days. Our brother is just he stinks. he's no way. I mean, he's been in the tomb and and G- Jesus said, what, what, wait a second, didn't I tell you that if you believe you'd see the glory of God, didn't I tell? And he says, so he said, just just wait right here, Father. I just want to thank you that you already heard me, but I'm saying this right now to thank you in front of everybody here, so they know that my power came from you. And then he looks at the tombstone and he speaks to it and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out in those grave clothes and he's completely raised from the dead after four days. Listen, God doesn't measure time like we do. Amen. He's building you. In silence. He's building you. There's no there's no one that makes it overnight unless they also lose it all overnight. God is working on you. Patiently. And no one else might see it, but you go home and you pray and you just start thanking God. Next day, you just pray and you start thanking God. Maybe miracles aren't happening yet, but you're just thanking God anyway. Maybe your healing hasn't come yet, but you're thanking God anyway. Maybe your dream job hasn't manifested yet. Your dream business hasn't matter, matter, manifested yet. But you thank God. Anyway, you put a smile on your face and you praise him anyway. You lift your hands and tears are streaming down your face, but you're praising him anyway. You're remembering the day he saved you. You're remembering that he did it all. You're remembering that he's that he was the one who introduced you to himself to begin with. And so what is there to be worried about? What is there to be nervous about? When you were lost, he found you. So he's not expecting you to find everything now. He's not expecting you to fix everything and to find everything. He's the one that found you. You You offered no support. You offered no help when he found you. You were found when you were a child of the devil and God found you and he made you a child of his simply because you received him into your life. And so if he could do if he could do the most important thing in your life without any of your help. He can do anything in your life without your help. Just trust him. Just believe him. He's building you in the silence. How beautiful but amazing the work of character building is. It often is not talked about enough, but now we understand why First Kings, Chapter six, first Kings, Chapter six, verse seven says there was neither hammer nor was there axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while the temple was being built in the house. When it was in building, when it was built of stones, they were made ready before they were ever brought forth. No tool could be heard. No hammer, no axe, no iron could be heard, no tool could be heard in the house while the stones were being fashioned and while the stones were being prepared. And archaeologists have proven this scripture to be absolutely true. They have found stones in quarries underneath the city, underneath the temple, underneath what they built. God was causing a picture to be made for us to realize that we might see only this on the surface of our lives. But God is fashioning beautiful stones underneath the surface in the silence. You can't hear the hammers. You can't hear the you can't hear the iron. You can't hear the axes. But it's happening below the surface. It's happening where no one can see it. It's happening where no one can hear it when no one can realize what's happening is your character is being built beneath the surface when you hang in there, when you stay with it, when you believe anyway, when you trust God anyway, when you love people anyway, they might not love you back, but you love them anyway. They might not forgive you back, but you forgive them anyway. That's your character being built in the silence. But one day it's going to be shown forth in glory or in shame, depending on if you were willing to let God build you and not need to see it, not need people to see it. Who cares who sees it? If God's working on me and he's doing something in my life underneath the surface, I'll let him take his sweet time and I'll let him do whatever he wants to do, because I don't want to be I don't want to come forth in shame. I want to come forth in glory. I want him to be glorified. I want the years and the years and the years and the years are going to reveal the quality of which God built you with. If you will let him and cooperate with him and trust him. The quarries where the stones were made were all prepared underneath the city. They were made in silence They were made in the secrecy down beneath the tread of busy life. And then when the blocks. That were hewn from their bed were shaped and polished and they were then hoisted through a shaft in the temple. Hoisted up and then placed in the exact position that they were intended for. God is a master builder. These people built incredible things, the Egyptians, pyramids, the the Romans, a Colosseum. But the greatest building was the one that no one could see it while it was being built until it was ready to be revealed. And you know what? You are saying, when am I going to get the promotion? When am I going to get my business? When am I going to get the breakthrough? When am I going to get the money? When you know when? when it no longer matters as much as who you are matters and what you're made of matters more than what you have and what God is doing. Behind the scenes matters more to you than how people look at you. Well, the whole world is, is so much of the world is enraptured by fame, whether it's five minutes of fame or five decades of fame. And God's not interested in that. The only thing that really matters at the end of the day is getting people to heaven. He's fashioning us so we're better tools for his glory, better representatives of his love. He's polishing our rough edges. We can win people along the way. But especially. When there's quality in our lives, when there's humility in our lives, when we're no longer caught up with being famous or having fans or having likes or followers, when it doesn't matter anymore, except what matters is what kind of person you are representing your heavenly father. He's building you in the silence. Number four. He's making you unbreakable. He's making you unbreakable. The Bible says that you are Peter, Matthew, Chapter 16, verse 18. I say unto you, you are Peter, little rock. That's what the word Peter means. You're a little rock. But. I'm going to build upon this big rock bedrock, the the word Peter means small stone. The word rock here is bedrock. He's like you are a small stone in a bigger family of rocks. He's building you. or he's making you unbreakable by making you a part of the bedrock of his church. God. He's making you unbreakable because you're connected to the body of Christ. And I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. He's making you unbreakable, but you're not unbreakable alone. Oh, that's Amen. Right. That's good. Amen. You're Peter alone, you're a little stone. It's not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's just small. It's a stone. We're all little stones. But he's building us Amen. into the big rock, the church. And guess what can't prevail against it? Hell Amen. itself yes. cannot prevail. Against the church. Number five, he's restoring your soul. You see, these are all ing words, which are present participles. They are taking place currently as we sit here. What is God doing behind the scenes? He's causing all things to work together for good. He's finishing what he started in you, he's building you in silence, he's making you unbreakable, he's restoring your soul. You we know the scripture, you know, Psalm twenty three makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. The green pastures are the church. The still waters are the word of God. And it is through those powerful gifts that he restores our soul. Number six, he is renewing your strength like the eagle. Everybody loves Isaiah 40, verse 30, though youths grow weary and tired, yet vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those that wait for the Lord will will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what God's doing behind the scenes? He's renewing your strength. I just feel tired. He's renewing your strength. I just don't feel I can go. I can go on. He's renewing your strength. I just feel so discouraged. He's renewing your strength like the eagle. Yes. There are moments, there are seasons where the eagle has to just hide and molt and shed new the old wings and, and and develop and form the new ones that God has made that bird in such a way that we can learn from that, that yes. there is times and seasons where it's in rest and it's in sitting and it's in being at peace with where you're at in life right now and t- catching your breath. Yeah. Yeah. You could use the last couple of years to worry, or you could have used the last couple of years to pray and to trust God and to yes. let him do something new in your life. And that's what we've been doing here. And That's what God's been doing in our lives. Yeah. He's been renewing our strength. We're not done yet. He's finished for our salvation. He finished everything, but he's working on us. And we're not done with the race yet. But there is coming a day when we will be done. And that leads us to number seven, he's preparing a place for us in John, chapter 14, verse one, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, for I for my father in my father's house are many mansions. It's amazing that he uses this word in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. What if he was saying, you know what, in my father's house are a few mansions, but the rest you get shacks. (laughs) (laughs) In my father's house are many mansions. It's a largeness to that word. God is preparing you, preparing a place for you in heaven. And he's preparing you for a place. He's preparing a place for you. And he's preparing you for a place. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed that powerful message. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast for more amazing messages like what you just heard. You can also search for Gregory Dickout on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for tons of great content throughout the week.